0: I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. I'm Rick Kelly. And we love to watch... We love to watch Dr. Hyde and His Behind. back together again what's going on
1: together guys together
0: again i feel like the last time we were together we were talking about oh i don't know maybe about, about how pods probably some fucking dead. religious
1: yeah. Oh. yeah god just a lot of god talk
0: no, Rick. Uh,
2: This—it's your fifth time on. We love to watch. You guessed it four times within the first ten months, and then we kept forgetting to invite you back.
1: Yeah, I thought there was a ban in place.
2: <laughs> no ban. Uh, we just were doing other, some other the pods not dead stuff. Uh, two released episodes, one lost forever episode, uh, and I think somewhere in there we forgot to invite you. And I remember talking to Pete as we were planning. The summer. we're like, and both of us separately, I think we're like, oh shit, we gotta invite Rick back.
0: we talked to rick pretty much every day on skype chat and we had you on uh pods not dead so i was like rick's definitely been back right no (laughs) so welcome back thank you so much for coming on rick yeah it sounds like a lot of horseshit but i'm happy to be back thanks
2: (laughs) ah the dynamic back in action (laughs) you know what you're not getting the five-timer club jacket (laughs) we're gonna keep it we're gonna split it between the two of us. We're just gonna take a sleeve.
1: That's fair. It's fair. Uh,
0: all my jackets are currently sleeveless, so this is gonna. This is gonna really. You've help. always struck me as a
1: sleeveless jacket kind of guy. I can see it. Yeah. <laughs> the one sleeve is like a cool '80s, like Michael Jackson style that never happened. I think. Yeah.
0: You're like, I like to be cold on one half.
2: <laughs> my left, my left yeah. side's
0: always burning hot. <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah, but if you've never heard us before, we love to watch. We're a movie podcast that uh, picks a theme each month and then covers a few movies around that theme. And sometimes, if we remember, we compare and contrast them. And we're, we're starting a new month. It's the first week of August. Um, yeah, it's the first week of August. It's a new month. It is uh, Man is the Most Dangerous. Game And we're doing movies where humans are hunted because why not in this wonderful world that we're all living in? This is like a great idea on paper two years ago, Peter, and it feels a little more depressing now, but, uh, but yeah, I think we're going to power through
0: and just pretend we're living in like 2015. Here, you're like, oh, you know, it'd be really fun if we watched a movie about a hypothetical fascist government that uh, <laughs> yeah. puts yeah. people in camps and uh, hunts them for sport. That'd be really, that'd be really fun. Yeah, yeah. It's not the worst thing the Trump administration has done, but on the list
2: somewhere is kind of ruined dystopian movies. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, so this is our first uh, week, and we are doing a uh, Ozploitation movie. Uh, from 1982, called Turkey Shoot, which uh, when Peter suggested, it, I was like, uh, "Great, not sure how it fits into the theme," although, but I'm, I'm willing to watch a movie about a uh, turkey ejaculating, and uh, watched it, and it, it was more uh, on base than I thought originally. That's what you—that's so what you thought, Peter. huh?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Is at least Turin ha- Horse has a Turin Horse, you know? Yeah. There's no, ter- there's, there's, no no, there's no turkey shooting. There's no fucking shooting. turkeys in this thing. <laughs> it's true. Good for Rick, though.
1: Yes, yeah, oh, I was, yeah. I was actually, when this was first proposed, uh, thought it sounded like a terrible idea because I just thought it was going to be people shooting turkeys.
0: No, that's another Australian movie called Wake and Fright. Yeah, different film. Or or yes,
2: Kangaroos. I I thought it was actually called... uh, It'd be great if in Australia there was a movie called People Shoot, and it's all about shooting turkeys. (laughs) 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 That's
0: what Thanksgiving's called. Yeah. Yeah,
2: because they come from the land down under. (laughs)
0: When uh, when are we going to get into these accents? Um... Uh, Well... Rick, why
1: don't you introduce yourself? And you can say that you picked this movie when you found out it was uh, made in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. I am Rick. I've been on the show several times. Uh, so Five I've already, times? uh Let's see. I uh, run a film website with our mutual friend Liz. We all have done the uh, Pods Not Dead uh, podcast together. I live in Berkeley, California. Uh, I don't Really have I can't even think of anything interesting I've been doing besides, you know, watching turkeys get not get shot, watching uh, Steve Railsback try and not get shot. That's pretty much what I do. Both uh,
2: both people succeeded. Yeah, yeah. The turkeys were fine. Mm-hmm. Railsback was fine
0: uh, because if you rail on Steve, he rails right back. Precisely. He has his teeth grit. For 90% of this movie, even when he's trying to look handsome. Yeah. I like the idea that anyone ever looked at him and was like, Give me a handsome lead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Let's pick. So, the two movies that he has been in for this show are this and our third episode ever Life Force. Yeah. (laughs) He gets romantically paired with probably two of the more famous beautiful actresses of the 20th century. Um, yeah, he, Olivia Hussey uh, is—he's paired with Olivia Hussey, Juliet herself—is like just hilarious because no matter if they, I think they're like almost the same age in this, and he looks like thirty years older and nine thousand more cigarettes deep. Yeah,
2: he came out of the womb, I am assume, looking fifty, and <laughs> like
0: I'm almost about to qualify for AARP. <laughs> Give me that bottle. Yeah, they, the the local villagers called him uh, Wrinkle Fetus. <laughs> the um. local villagers. <laughs> oh,
1: the whole whole village, yeah, white dump like... he was born in. Yeah, I like that he's um, from a village. That's good. The boy
0: ain't right. <laughs> um, they call him Steve Railsback because they sent him out of town on a rail, and they sent him back, th- and then he keeps coming back because <laughs> I hope he, I hope these Railsback funds keep coming.
2: <laughs> uh, i hope they I, I hope they both keep coming and turn into doing them in an australian accent
0: yeah uh, we're, but, we're back to railing on steve right back <laughs> <Jesus Christ. laughs> uh, just get your
2: bindle and head on the rails back <laughs> uh yeah so well, before we we it's great though because we did get to make all these jokes on our third episode uh, and now we get to, uh, two and a half years later, uh, forget that we made them and do them all over again. So we're very excited about that. Uh, we're going to get right into it because we have a game. Uh, it's it's kind of – it's not necessarily specifically reflective of this movie, but it's definitely the month reflective – uh, the month of the whole. The month of the
0: whole. The <laughs> is that, what's, is that what the W – It's about the
2: whole month. Uh <laughs> But uh, the month as a whole. And (laughs) it's a game called uh, The Most Dangerous Cast. Uh, Whoa. It is uh, a game where you two will be pitted against each other. Life or death. I love pitting. Uh, uh, You know, and we're going to be not talking about, like... We're gonna be talking about situations that arise in the life of a podcaster. So admittedly you guys are both experienced some more than others but I'm gonna be giving you certain situations because when things go wrong when you're recording a podcast, it's essentially the same as a life or death situation much as you would find in a most dangerous game type situation. Sure.
0: Um, couldn't agree more. So I'm, I'm gonna ask I'm gonna I'm
2: gonna rotate back and forth all right 10 scenarios, five each of something that could happen while podcasting and all you're gonna tell me is how you'd react. There's no multiple choice, there's no right or wrong answer except me, much like most most dangerous game situations. I'm going to be the judge, jury and executioner and no points will be awarded but the one who I've decided lost at the end will be will be murdered. Yeah. Um so it's just the way it goes it's uh it's what we all signed up for
0: <laughs> you guys got those contracts Yeah right? I need I to review
1: basically. the I need to review the forms a little closer Apparently, you,
0: you, you got yeah. that doc you uh, sorry <laughs> I haven't signed it yet here. I'm signing it right now. Yeah
2: do the yeah, got course. it. We're gonna use it for other forms in the future if you survive um thank you. All right who wants to go first? Uh, I'll go first. Rick, you're a podcaster you're recording the podcast you're trying to get banter with your your co-host. Mm-hmm. And the Skype delay is bad. What do you do?
1: Um, uh, get a machine gun.
2: I mean, wildly incorrect. <laughs> I know. I have no idea how that would help Skype <laughs> I just say situation. I, I just figured a machine I mean, gun. You know, again, it it is kind of the most dangerous game. But like specifically in the world of situations that arise while podcasting.
1: Uh, okay. Um, so, um, all right.
2: I mean, so probably no points on that one. To be honest. Okay. Uh. Peter, (laughs) your your situation, Mm -hmm. you've been recording for a while, you're kind of tired, you notice that you're saying um more than you'd like to, but you just don't seem to be able to stop, what do you do?
0: Change the topic to the topic of my mum. I mean, look, that was out of
2: nowhere. I was going to say, you know, you're editing, so don't worry about it, but uh, I think completely derailing... (laughs) podcast to talk about your English uh, nanny, I assume, or the queen. Yeah, me mum. Yeah, your mum. <laughs> I'm not saying, look, derailing the podcast is not a sin. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe
0: you'd survive that situation uh, from the listener's perspective. I'm pretty sure I only derailed the podcast. So yeah, I've survived till now. Why Easy. would I change my methodology? Fair point. I'm not saying that's going to get you a point, but you are accurate.
1: <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> all right. Rick, mm. you're podcasting, right? Maybe you're about to go on. You say, That's "Hey, it's a very meta question." I said, "You're not feeling well.
1: Not sure if you're going to be able to record tonight. What do you do?" I just power through it. I mean, you gotta you gotta take charge. You know, you gotta you gotta make it happen for the listeners. Are you reading Successories poster? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was actually verbatim. <laughs> I have it on my wall. It's actually not in reference to podcasting. It just says power through. Do it for the listeners. Rick is the most white-collar person I know. It's actually funny. I've been uh, I've been interviewing for jobs a lot. And so I think maybe I should just approach this game as an interview and start doing my uh, my interview bullshit. Because I'm actually getting pretty good at it. If you keep doing interviews and keep not getting jobs, you, uh, you start to get better at interviewing anyways. And also <laughs> not getting jobs.
0: I can agree. I tend to go in the room pretty not nervous anymore. I'm like, you know what? The worst that happens is I don't know anything. <laughs> yeah. And I just kind of shrug. <laughs> it won't be the yeah. first time I didn't get hired.
2: <laughs> I know nothing I say has got me a job so far, so who yeah. cares what comes out next? Yeah, precisely. I'll um, give you a point. Yes. Or Rick. Oh. Because he's the one that answered Right, Actually, I'm going to give Peter a point, because the one thing about in a most dangerous game situation, you don't back down even when you think you made a, made a mistake. So, Peter, you get the point after <laughs> getting the right answer. This is just, like, it's just like my job interview. <laughs> Look, nothing's fair when you're hunting people, or podcasting, in this case. Yeah. Uh, Peter. You need to you need to do a plug section, a wrap up section, but your co host has essentially fallen asleep on mic and is not really paying attention anymore. What do you do?
0: Um. Well, what you usually do uh, <laughs> is you pause. You remember what you were going to say and then go through with it. But I feel like what I would do is just start making up as many plugs as I can for as many products as I can and then edit it down from that number of products.
2: Okay. No points. Uh, I think you should really get the plugs in there that you want to plug for the next week's show for the listeners. Uh, Mm.
0: So you're saying my Lucky Strike cigarette plug is not going to go well?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's not something we plug. We usually plug our own show, for example.
0: Hmm.
2: Mm. Are you guys... You guys are sponsored by Lucky Strike Cigarettes? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, There's, there's been no uh, whatever the ruling that said that cigarettes can't advertise on television anymore. That hasn't happened to podcasts yet. Yeah. Uh, whatever FEC ruling. All right. Rick. I realized that I wrote... I wrote the same question twice. I don't have ten. I have nine. Because I've written the same question
0: (laughs) twice in a row. Wait, hold on. I got one. I got one. So No, no, no. You're You're in the middle of an ill-conceived game with your (laughs) podcast (laughs) co-host. Okay. Well, no. I'm just going to ask you
2: both the same question, and I'm going to pick the answer I like better. Okay, that's fine. Sure. So, since I wrote it twice, I might as well. Uh, So, Rick and Peter. Your co-host says he's going to be five minutes late to record because he's on the West Coast, and it's dinner time for him.
1: What do you do?
0: Rick, I would love for you to take the lead on this one. Uh, well, you just you
1: let your friend eat dinner. I mean, is there a, <clears throat> Why wouldn't you do that? What's wrong with you? Look, it's just a, it's
2: just a podcasting situation. Oh. I just want to know how you'd handle it. You don't need to throw it back up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, same, same thing, except for you make passive-aggressive uh, comments in the Skype chat. Ooh, 1.4 Peter. <laughs> 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 all
2: right, your podcast uh, co-host dog—I don't know—let's call her Anchorage—keeps uh, barking whenever a delivery man shows up uh, mid podcasting.
1: Rick, what would you do? Um, I would uh, try and I'd try and riff off the dogs, tie it into uh, to the movie somehow. You know, make a sort of dog-themed pun. Oh, this is all great. One point.
2: Okay, <laughs> Peter, you're recording the podcast. And your co-host tells the same airbud story for the third time because he doesn't remember telling it, but it's pretty funny in general. So you're not really mad about it per se, but it did occur and it's worth noting. What do you do?
0: You leave it in. It's a great story. Great story. You know you know when your senile grandfather tells the same story seven times. It's yeah, like if it's funny, the first five times you you know, you don't stop him. You just keep letting it go. You ride that baby out. All right. Uh, you know, what? that's a point. And then when he says it six times, you put him in a home. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> we're, we're getting there. Rick. Yes. You're sending your co-host a vital package critical to your upcoming show. And he forgets <laughs> to send you his new
1: address so the package doesn't arrive. What do you do? Um, You probably you deal with it, but you note this and make sure to bring it up as frequently as possible throughout ensuing episodes so that it uh, stays fresh in everyone's mind. Great. No, that's bonus
2: points. Two points for that one. Excellent. Exactly how you should handle that.
0: Peter. Hey, uh, um, Aaron, can we...
2: Uh Your co-host has never shot a bow and arrow, which is not exactly <laughs> what you'd want in a Katniss Everdeen Hunger Game, Games type situation.
0: What do you do? <laughs> I imagine you ask them what their other skill set is. I mean, if, if, if you're surprised that they haven't shot a bow and arrow, uh, that uh, one presumes that... You would have shot one. So well, here's here's what's weird. Why about was that? Why would the co- not? The, why would not the hypo, hypothetically? The <laughs>
2: hypothetically, the co-host is like, I really want to shoot a bow and arrow, but then Dad never even had the
0: fortitude to get off his ass and go shoot one. Hypothetically, what do you do? Well, hypothetically, that would say more about hypothetically speaking, that would say more about his ambitions yeah, than uh, you know it's just a game. This is a game. This is exactly a game. In some situations, we can say this ain't no game, and this this is specifically a game. Um, I would say that might speak more specifically to his ambitions, that uh, he has a very achievable... Cheap hobby, and he has friends that actually perform that hobby, and yet he has not done lived this lifelong dream that could maybe cost him thirty dollars. So, so what? So what do you do in this situation? You just ponder it. You bring him along until the time comes when he either proves himself useful or. The the guy was carrying his own meat. You murder him for meat. You're you're saying that hypothetically, what you should do in this
2: situation mm-hmm. is to is to say, well, maybe he'll be able to handle the bow and arrow with no practice, and if not, I'll, I'll eat him.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's, but then that's point, he's carrying his own meat, right? That's why you don't tell people you're going to eat them until you're ready to eat them. Is this like
1: a story? Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys go camping together or something? What is this? <laughs>
2: look there's like a venn diagram
1: okay? yeah okay there's people
2: that have uh never shot a bow and arrow uh there's because they don't want to there's people that have never shot it but want to mm-hmm. uh, and there's people that and yeah that second one's peter i forgot what my analogy was venn diagram <laughs> yeah, i was like what's, what's in the middle <laughs> i don't know peter Having the, both the desire and also the lack of experience.
0: <laughs> you usually don't need to draw an entire graph Hy- to say that I haven't shot a bow and arrow. <laughs> you usually can just say like like a bullet point. Look, um, I've never you shot a, a real full bow sentence. and arrow.
2: I just don't care about it. Yeah. Peter, like hypothetically, your co-host went to a, an entire camp around the idea he might be able to shoot a bow and arrow and then never followed up on that dream. <laughs>
0: Uh, hey Aaron, can I uh speak with you on the terrace real quickly? Yeah, sure. I mean we haven't I haven't said who the winner of the game is, but yeah. Yeah, it's, no, it's it's fine. Can okay, I just speak yeah. with you on the terrace real yeah. quickly before you declare the the winner of the game? Yeah, Rick, sure. Just one second. I'm really sorry yeah, that yeah. I have to do this. You got it. Hey, um hey, can you um yeah, what's stop up? fucking embarrassing me in front of our guest? Uh well, I just you know, I'm not
2: I don't have a very good imagination, so I wasn't trying to put you on the spot, but I just decided to think of very specific things you had done as these hypothetical situations.
0: Yeah. You didn't see how that might be a problem, <laughs> calling out very specific things in a passive-aggressive way in a, in a game with a guest? <laughs> well, uh, you know how you forget things really easily? I was hoping you, you
2: wouldn't put two or two together. It's
0: nice that in your
2: not- Like, for example, you, you, have a a way to make you have a dog named Juno. You have a dog named Juno. I said Anchorage. Totally different cities in Alaska.
0: Well, I even, I didn't, you know, now you're just tacking on more insults.
2: I just, I'm just explaining this, not insulting at
0: all. You you know what? I've had enough. I've had enough. Rick, thank you so much for waiting. Uh, Aaron's going to announce the end of this game um, Uh, Oh, I'm going to say, now. you know what? Uh,
1: uh, Peter won. Oh, okay. That's (laughs) nice. Because
2: they're all situations he knows the best. Uh,
1: (laughs) So...
0: (laughs) He seems to have got it pretty, pretty down. Rick, have we ever put you in one of these games and let you win? Uh, I don't think I've ever won a game. No. (laughs) (laughs) We're
1: going to have to bring you back for another episode
2: just just to let you win. (laughs) Yeah, we can do a super passive aggressive one where we're kind of being patronizing with how easy the answers are. Specifically directed at you so you can feel a little better.
1: That sounds great.
0: <laughs> Rick, do you think that you maybe won because um, you didn't have to sit here and be uh, verbally abused by Aaron this entire time? Yeah, I feel like I'm less embarrassed probably than you are, so that's, that's good. Hey, Rick, we'll play a quick game. Sure. What number am I thinking of? Six.
2: Got it. Yes. Peter doesn't even get a guess because you were right on. There's no way he could get closer right from a-, a math perspective. Right every time. 6.0. Ah, oh, damn it! Oh, Peter one. <laughs> oh. Look, science and research is very important to this podcast. Is more specific. Yours was a general number. Oh, we'll try again later, Rick. I'm really sorry for you. Okay, we tried our best. Yeah, well, uh, you guys want to talk about turkey shoots? <laughs> Let's do it. Let's talk about it. Peter, you are alternate taglines. Wait, hold on. Now we might as well just get into it. Peter, you're alternate. Wait, no, I don't know. <laughs> Peter. What? I was like, what What accent is this? Is this, is this a thing? <laughs> I,
0: I don't know. <laughs> John that? Lennon?
2: <laughs> um, I think I had kind of Scottish going. Scottish yeah. is the accent I do if I want my to go. Dad, please stop doing that voice. We're all like, uh, baby. But uh, <laughs> it's just all fat bastard and the dad from "So I Married an Axe Murderer." Um, uh, all right, Australian. Hold on, Peter. Your alternate
0: taglines. <laughs> <laughs> You will believe a werewolf can eat toes. Yeah, I wasn't expecting a unremarked upon werewolf to be in this movie. It's but...
1: <laughs> so, my favorite part of the movie. It's
2: like, it's like also I, I think it's every favorite part of the movie. Yeah, of course. Should have been called Werewolf Shoot uh, because, <laughs> or Aaron Shoot because when I saw that
1: werewolf, I came. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> 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 How At dare part, it's you! It's like go. when he when he puts on his hat. That's like the the you climax right as he adjusts his, top, <laughs> his fucking top hat. You're like,
0: oh god, werewolf At, in a hat. When he gets chopped <laughs> in half, you were like, oh, two werewolves to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh Anyway, yeah,
2: you got it, You got any more, Peter? To uh, get out of this. Yeah. This
0: spiral. Turkey shoot. Uh, don't be a chicken. I, th- I think that's actually
1: on one of the posters. I think that's not an. Al- I think it's not an alternate tagline. It's an actual tagline. <laughs> oh no! Yeah.
0: Oh no! Don't
1: be a chicken, mate. This movie's uh, not for chickens. I don't know if that's Australian. <laughs> or not. <laughs> it was closer than Aaron. So. Uh, yeah. Boy. We... <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> nice job, break. So, actually, before I do the quick recap, um, I want to take a little detour into. Uh, The reception of this movie Which is not something we normally do But the Wikipedia summary Of a bunch of quotes of the way this movie So I I read this uh, The summary of like the reception Before I watched the movie Uh And I was expecting Something like Beyond Gruesome like I was like oh fuck I'm watching this on an afternoon Like I don't know if I want to see this So uh, it was I'll just read um some of the, the quotes. Uh, so different reviewers called it, uh, a vomitous offering. One called it unfit for human consumption. One called it a catalog of sickening horrors. And then, uh, another one was the actors involved should have been ashamed for appearing in such trash.
0: Ooh, um, I should have said that as an alternate tagline. <laughs> I mean, another guy called it like wooden acting, which fair.
1: That one's fair. <laughs> uh, but I you would say like uh, I would say like more like rail acting That's a like a like one. a rail wooden wooden like a rail yeah like a wooden rail yeah, yeah. like a rails back like a- <laughs> but
2: I I, I was kind of like I was expecting a little bit something like a little more I don't know graphic or yeah like they're like I, this is not meant as like a compliment, but you know having watched a lot of these like kind of these low budget exploitation movies where like they're not even hoping to get a rating and it's like let's just do as go as extreme as we can from the eighties like this doesn't even have a rape scene it has like a attempted rape scene as a many not, attempted it has rape three scenes. at yeah. least three yeah yeah but like it. Like, all those canon movies like Death Wish 3 that have, like, these grotesque and disturbing stuff. Like, I reading all of that before watching the movie, I was like, holy fucking
1: shit. Yeah, like, no, I, I hear you. It is, it's a little uh, toothless for a film where someone eats a, a toe.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not i think it's fairly shocking at times i mean there's like there's a plenty of a plenty of uh scenes are sort of uh psychically violent more than these movies tend to be they drag out scenes like you said there's there's um uh, multiple attempted rape scenes like there's multiple scenes where people's like devastation is kind of being uh stretched out as opposed to delivered yeah 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 and i'm
2: not saying that's not just like it definitely is disturbing i'm sure we're going to talk about more in the movie and it's all that stuff that's
0: like kind of uncomfortable but there's no fulci-esque stuff in here there's no no. there's no like like things that you think about years later and cringe yeah like what
2: was that movie that i think you recommended to me that i still uh last halloween uh that i still i still think about it was like some italian horror movie it wasn't a fulci was it the Uh, it wasn't the beyond then no, it, it was – I watched it last year and I was like, what the – like, that is the craziest movie and, like, how extreme it was and I wasn't expecting it. Um, yeah, the Italians I mean, are, are pretty good at that. Yeah. yeah. Like, that like, like, was like, holy shit. Like, and and people in our groups like this? Um, and I <laughs> Like, I, I could get it, but it was like – it's stuff like – there's that scene with like the son who's played by a little person randomly having sex with his mom in the church. Oh, burial so ground.
0: Yeah, I was burial like, burial ground is fucking insane. I don't. Yeah, I don't I think like, I know burial ground. You'd like it, Rick. It's fucking insane. It's a hundred percent insane. But like,
2: if I had read those reviews for burial ground and then watched burial ground, I'd be like, yeah, no, that's accurate. Like, it's. I could see why people would be. Uh, chastising the actors for even appearing in it like this. Especially because I'm aware of this movie because of the Not Quite Hollywood documentary which like had a ton of these movies. And the idea that this one was like above and beyond the extremity of those is kind of, I don't know, seems stupid to be honest. I
0: didn't didn't drop my monocle at any point um, nor my handkerchief. Um, I didn't say, oh my stars. I certainly did not have to have a gentleman fan me. At any point, um, you didn't
2: have to, but you did because you had <laughs> the gentleman there
0: with the fan ready to
2: go. It's fu-
0: it's fucking eighty two degrees he's out. Uni- yeah, it feels it feels stuff. nice. If you have, if he's already there, yeah. There's a reason Kings did it, and it wasn't just because the slaves needed stuff to do. Yeah, you're paying this guy at least minimum wage, though, right? Um, yeah, it's uh, I, I don't have the family budget yet to have a guy to drape uh, grapes over my face and let me take a bite and then pull it away. But I do have a fanning guy right now. Oh, man, once you get the grape guy. Yeah, you'll be paid. It's more. Grape. It's twice as much. Well, yeah, because he's got to go. He's got to run out and get the grapes. Uh, the fan is a one time purchase. Here's what you do. So fan two hands, right? I mean, good fanning.
2: Like, you can do that one-hand yeah. bullshit, but, like, yeah. that's part-time work. Like, yeah. you get a full-time fan or two hands, right? What you do is you have them put the stem of the grape bunch in their mouth, right? And they just kind of lean it over you. So mm-hmm. they're not, like, eating the grapes. Their mouth isn't on the grapes. So it's not gross. But, like, it's dangling enough that you can reach up and grab huh, them. This sounds really awkward.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. but for a
2: budget, Rick.
0: <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Rick, for a fat king on a budget, have you considered yeah. that?
2: <laughs> Fair, okay. I mean, if you're eating a lot of grapes, you're not going to be that fat.
0: <laughs> Why were they so
2: fat? They're all they're doing is eating
0: grapes. It's because at dinner time they do they do the grapes all day, and then at dinner time uh, they serve entire turkey legs.
2: Yeah, yeah, mm. that'll do it. Um, but still no carbs in that diet. Just all grapes and turkey legs. Yeah. Um, they don't didn't have bread technology back then. Is um, mead
0: fatty? I feel like they drink a lot of mead. Wine's not fatty. They drink a lot of wine.
2: Yeah, should be skinny kings.
0: Quick recap. So uh, Steve well, Railsback, as someone yeah. with gout, tell us how you got gout. Oh, uh, the king's well, disease. The king's here's
2: here's what I did. Uh, my body sucks. Uh, just Same. what I was trying to do is I was trying to keep my um, acid level. What I don't even remember what kind of acid it is that does it. Just acid. Just acid. Yeah, uric. Yeah, that's right. That's the one. So I was always like, so you know, friends would come over and they'd be like, hey oh do you mind if i store some uric acid over here and i'm like sure i'm, I'm fine i'm young i'm 23
0: give young me all dumb of your and uric- full of uric
2: yeah <laughs> i'm like give me all your uric acid i'll start for you and then my friends never came back to pick it up and all of a sudden i'm 24 my toe swells up and i'm like this is probably an ingrown toenail uh and then five years later i'm like oh i've had gout for a while now
0: wow oh, Mia. yeah this is a, I, we usually don't get this personal and we love to watch uh, one of our listeners also has gout, though, so watch
2: your jokes. I'm not going to say which one. I don't know if he's announcing it or talks about it constantly. Yeah, don't,
0: don't don't out the gout. <laughs> I didn't. You're I, outing the gout. <laughs> I have already outed the gout. Have you never talked about this on the show before? Yeah, we have. I
2: uh, Okay, we, cool. Um, I think we did a thing of, uh, like, things we didn't know about the other person. <laughs>
0: That also got a little mean once, <laughs> as like an opening segment, uh, but all in fun. Uh, Rick, how long do you think the, this podcast is going to last? Given how passive aggressive it is, uh, now that the
1: now that the gout's out, or is that yeah? A, now that the gout's <laughs> out, I don't know. It seems like that's it's all downhill. It's all downhill from here. <laughs> it's, the,
0: it's, it's how it always it's starts. True. <laughs> You're saying by that the gout, gout being out,
1: we open the
2: spout.
0: Yeah. yeah now right. that we've got a gout in the open uh, yeah <laughs> these are
2: great jokes all right anyway quick recap uh, so the first half, concentration camp movie not fun literally at all uh, Steve rails back, Olivia Hussey some other people they're uh, it's basically a dystopian society they're breaking numerous laws uh, like being in places that the goon that the goon squad doesn't want them to be in, mm-hmm. uh, they put him in the geek squad. This is 1982. This is pre-Geek Squad. It's implied pretty heavily that all these people turned into the Geek
1: Squad. But, you know, <laughs> we're going to have to check the fossil record. The re-education center has the uh, has a van. It's kind of like the Geek Squad car. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. that's true. Except instead of fixing your computer, they just hit you on the back of the head and take you to a camp.
0: Yep. That is uh, actually what Geek Squad does. Oh is I don't it know if you've ever had to call them. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they're like,
2: Yeah, here's your computer, dumbass. You didn't t- t- turn it on. Um, oh man. That sucks. Uh, and so uh, here's the first thing you'll notice watching this movie. It takes place in a concentration camp. They're torturing people. Not it's not fun for a little bit. Um and uh, you also notice that, like, it's about 20% of the people in this movie speak with an Australian accent, which is incredibly disappointing. It's a, a, a low
0: percentage, frankly. It's a little watered down. From mm-hmm. I wanted 100%. Know. I would accept 90 and then one American doing a British accent, but, like, anything lower than that, I just don't think I can, I can handle
2: I don't it. Think, I don't think you get an Australian accent until the guy from Raiders of the Lost Ark who survived grew a mustache and moved to Australia...
0: He's uh, like, I'm t- going to be a different kind of Nazi.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, that guy looks the exact same as the guy that gets the propeller. Yeah. Mm. He does look he, a he lot is like also
0: him. He's also in Road Warrior as a, a, a goofball of the waist or whatever they call them. Oh. I think
2: it was goofballs.
0: I have no idea, um, but yeah, you're right. you're right that that guy is the first guy that comes in. He's like, "I'm bloody Australian, cool. mate," and then well, you're like, I'm oh, "Kick please. you in the head."
2: It's like, "Oh, more, finally, more." Everything you're doing is abusive and disturbing, but I like the
1: accent, it's really intentional, though, right? Because uh, I think they they cast uh, international stars in the hopes of uh, you know upping their their overseas grosses. It would seem more prestigious. I think was the idea. They filmed in Australia because they got tax breaks, and then cast you know Juliet from Romeo and Juliet and uh, all the rest of these cats for uh, international prestige for this movie.
0: It's very true, and the and the most Australian thing about it, and one of its greatest strengths, is that they did shoot it in Australia. So once they get through that first half of the movie, and you actually get to see the Australian you know jungles and the outback, yeah. It's, it's really, cool. it's really cool looking. It doesn't look like the typical American post-apocalyptic movie where they just like shot in the backwoods or, you know, the back desert of Nevada or something. It looks really good. So – and that's the thing. So they, they do have some people
2: assembled at this camp and they're going to take uh, six or seven of them uh, and have a uh, – Execution by way of making them into a most dangerous game situation. So everyone has someone that they've paid to kill, they pick them out of the lineup, and then they present it to the the seven people as, hey, you wanna get out of here, you wanna earn your freedom, do you want to pass that'll let you be a citizen in the new dystopia? All you gotta do is survive survive to uh survive. sunrise. Yeah, that's the most Australian I did by Survive <laughs> Survive. 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 Uh, you just gotta survive, hi. Uh, so, they obviously, a lot of them are skeptical. And they're like, mm, probably not. Uh, but then it turns into a most dangerous uh, game situation, where they are free, they're running around, uh, they, um, they get to use their wits to try to kill people, and uh, some of our heroes die, some of our baddies die, until Steve Railsback is able to kill... All the baddies and uh, free the camp, and everyone runs away, cheering presumably to get captured uh, into a new camp. Because I mean, it's a whole country; There's just one camp, uh, as far as we know. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, some short-lived victory for the old Rails Baxter, uh, but uh, the the last half is actually a lot of fun, and it kind of um, it kind of cements something I never thought I would have to articulate, but I will. Uh, like torture related dystopia especially nowadays is not fun even in that like exploitation way like it just it wasn't fun to just see uh, uh, men and women like brutally beaten or like locked in brush cages and... locked in cages uh, like uh, th- the threat of like sexual assault and rape <clears throat> uh, uh, overhead. like it just it wasn't fun I wasn't enjoying it it wasn't even fun in that expo- exploitation uh, way Like, I've always been, this is, you know, kind of off topic, but, like, I've always been a defender of, like, the first two hostile movies because I think they're actually interesting and have some stuff to say about um, a lot of different things. Nowadays, I don't, maybe, like, I'm not planning to rewatch them anytime soon, but maybe I would hate it. Like, maybe even even that, like, it's just, there's something about it that just made me feel ill at ease and I didn't like it. Mm -hmm. Once they have a semblance of, like, even though it's an unfair semblance of like agency and the ability to fight back, then I'm in more of like the, you know, running man, Jim Cotta, like that sort of, uh, tone and that I was able to enjoy. So when they're trying to outsmart and kill all the baddies and the werewolves and all the other stuff, uh, and succeeding more often than not, then it kind of became a, a fun, grimy, gory, uh, you know, action movie from the 80s. Uh, but, you know, uh, the, the the first half is a half. It is 45 minutes of a 90-minute movie, and I got almost no enjoyment, uh, or probably none. Like, there, was, there wasn't really anything that was redeeming about the first half for
1: me. I,
0: I'll say that as well, and partially, and Rick, I, I really want to know your thoughts on this. It's partially because I don't think that they, and maybe on purpose, they don't draw a particularly vivid picture of what this fascist government is about. Yeah, that's probably so they don't the say yeah. it's a one can presume it was a religious one. But then when in the camp, they say you can get you could have your promiscuous actions, but don't get pregnant or we'll kill you and the baby like the there's like a there's a, so like that's probably not a religious takeover that's probably just a straight up just normal fascist like nazi type thing yeah there's no hypocrites in religion (laughs) yeah that's 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 true that is that is something that in the first 45 minutes that i find also very boring because like i didn't even get to sort of soak in their version of dystopia and and the olivia Hussey gets caught doing nothing essentially She's just in a time and place where a rebel gets caught up, Um, which is, you know, kind of cool for one of these movies, just like wrong time, wrong place. That's like how lots of people in America get arrested for, you know. Yeah, sure. Sure. Being near people that have broken crimes. Like a lot of people in America. Or just get pe- or just people back. having like a bad day.
2: Like you just ran across a cop or an enforcement agent who yes. was having a bad day and you are their
0: target. And there's yes. literally nothing you could have done. And then Steve Rails back, which they had a whole thing planned with him at being like a hero. Instead, he's like just, he's he's like just a- speaking to a radio in a closet.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's like he's the uh, gorilla radio. Radio freedom, I think he announces it as. So, yeah, he's like. The leader of some gestative revolutionary force, I guess.
2: His character name is Tom Morello. <laughs> Rick, before you jump in here, I agree. Like, having having no clear understanding of, like... Because I, I do think that world building makes... It's, I guess, to go back to the hostile, too, like... Castle 2, I think, is especially – at least when I saw it, had a lot to say about, like, American foreign policy because, like, that's what – there's a lot of, like, clear representations and allegory and and satire in it and there's a lot of gross shit in it too. But, like, it has a point with – you cannot enjoy the point it's making or disagree with the way it's making it, but it has a perspective, right? And this, for the sadistic first, like, half hour, you're right. Like, I know nothing really about the dystopia, the way the government works – Whether these are hypocrites, what they're trying to do besides just, like, why they've chosen these people to round up as opposed to not rounding up other people. And so it is just, like, seeing people being subjected to shit for no reason that you can ascertain and, like, no reason for an audience to want to watch it except for, like like you like seeing people this ha- like there, there was nothing else there
0: you only you only root for them because they're underdogs like you don't know why they're being othered which is you know fair like that's a that gets a passing grade like i, I root for anybody in one of these movies that's being treated like dog shit by fascists like the the abusers are always the bad guys but um the uh, yeah, Rick. What do you what do you make of all this? Like first half of the movie, where it's just kind of this like loose fascism thing, and it's a prison movie.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree with everything you all are saying. The stakes seem really low because there's no clear um, sense of of how people relate to each other. These camps are apparently all over the country. You know, the um, but and it opens up with that montage of like documentary footage of real world unrest of like riots and yes. uh, all this stuff. Yeah. And that's supposed to, I guess, give this notion of a world in turmoil. People have clamped down in this way, but then you know, like it's it's um, a little bit of a cheat, I suppose, to just attribute it to the, the conditions of the production. But they slashed like 15 pages out of the script. It was the shooting schedule was reduced to 28 days. It was supposed to be set, apparently, in the American Deep South during the Depression. And then they rewrote that to be in the future instead. So that's why everything looks like they're on a plantation all the time. And everyone's, like, just raking dirt for some reason. Um, <laughs> so there's just and – yeah, and they're, like – they call them deviants. But then – the one woman, the upper class woman is like nothing but sexual entendres with the other dude. So everything just seems like, like a little, it's just supposed to be a sense of Orwellian control, but there's no sense of, of how it came to be, where it's going, who these people are, whatever. So you are just stuck with the, okay, now you're in the prison camp and yeah, that doesn't have a lot of resonance. You can go, you go along with it or I went along with it as like a setup for the, uh, the escape sequence but it feels pretty by the numbers and like just just to uh to set up the second half yeah it spends too long there like if
2: you're just gonna do like oh this none of this means anything make it 10 minutes yeah and then go do the stuff that everyone likes yeah 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 get to know the characters for a sec and then and then like it's not too hard to sell like why people would not want to be in a concentration camp so you don't need to really (laughs) yeah indeed
1: Absolutely. You
0: show a bunch of dirty, dirty, sad faces or people doing menial labor or, you know, people fighting for food or whatever. You can get that done in 10, 15 minutes without having to like, yeah, but they built this set, which is great to see the set get blown up in the, the movie because I'm like, I don't want to spend any more fucking time here.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I feel like the longer that we spend in that in the camp at the start, it belabors the point to where you start having to ask these questions that they you shouldn't even be bothered to ask. You know, like they're they're forcing yes. the point by sticking you there. The one part where uh, Steve back's like, uh, to the, the head commander, Thatcher, he's like... Um, you know, I hear you run a pretty tough camp. And Thatcher goes, yes, but I get results. And it's like, what results? What are you even <laughs> talking about? Like, what does your camp do? <laughs> you run a – your results are the killing of people or the raking of the dirt? Like, I don't even understand what your camp is for exactly. Well, yeah. So, let's, really let, let's talk
0: about – there is an elegant uh thing through line that runs through the movie and that's that the camp commander thatcher which i don't know if you guys know was referencing a specific (laughs) political figure reagan (laughs) (laughs) thatcher the reason the camp is so small the camp was originally supposed to have like three or five hundred actors or something and then it's now it's like 80 because of the budget cut yeah it's, Um, it's a very it's a very sparsely populated uh death camp actually Yes, and the, well, the reason is well, or a very
1: successful death camp. Maybe yes. that's what he meant. Yeah, <laughs> totally.
0: Yes. So that the, they say that he has a specific model that will probably be trotted out around the nation, and that's around the nation they're having population problems. Like they don't know what to do with all these people when they're in the camps. They don't know. They don't know how to put them to work or anything. And one of the only interesting like lore bits in the early part is that like these people were unlucky enough to be put basically into a death camp as opposed to just a concentration camp. Yeah, this camp is specifically a death camp. Like the turkey shoots apparently happen semi regularly. Like this does not. This is not anybody's first rodeo or turkey shoot. But
2: I mean, I don't think they're a death camp because a death camp just means everyone's going to die pretty quick. Like they keep making up these things for them to do. Like if it was just a death camp, just bring them in and then you kill them all. Like why keep? No, because they're holding
0: them for the specific. They're holding these hunts, yeah, and they, they might but be but having these hunts every fucking hundreds weekend. hundreds of
2: people. I guess maybe, but
1: you keep, you keep bringing people in. Like, you need to hunt more people. They only hunt seven. and Do- Yeah, and Dodge has been there for a while, apparently. He, he talks about yeah. how his, he's got this history. And
0: Steve Railsback has been in, like, 12 camps or something. He keeps yeah, breaking out. Yeah, maybe they need to keep a minimum number to get, like, their federal funding or something. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's two, there's two major, like... Things that happen at the camp that
2: we see besides just like digging up dirt and both of them are fucking terribly either are just dumber than shit or like not thought through. They are the first one you see, which is the Indiana Jones motherfucker who starts like fake air punching a woman um, for like quite a while. And you're like, oh, this is goofy until like she flinches and then uh, becomes much less goofy. When he beats the living shit out of her for a le- for a very long time, uh, and it's like, oh, that's fun. That's a fun game you guys came up with. Uh, and I do again the death directors. Camp. I, they
0: kill people for no. They kill people for no reason, right? But it also. is weird to gather
2: five hundred people into the yard. Like it's it's odd, and it's not like I don't know. It was just like okay, great, thanks, guys. Please move on from this. But it is just someone like punching in the air next to them. It's, it's very odd visual. And then there's the like gasoline barrel game which was so unclear what the point of that game was like and i think and i don't think it's one of those cases where you can say well the point was there was no point they're just torturing them like everyone seemed to know what they were doing but at no point was it communicated to the audience so they have like two round gas barrels filled with gasoline and i think the idea was the person was supposed to escape but instead it's like watching kindergartens play soccer where they're just in a circle kicking the barrels, and he's and the guy in the middle is just kind of rolling around, and it was like, they do yeah. that for five minutes, and then they set him on fire. It's like, oh, that that was neither interesting to watch or proves no point, because I have no idea what the fuck that was. But
0: also, the, the prisoners don't seem to know what it is either, because they, like, riot when that happens. Like, they freak the fuck out.
1: Well, Steve Railsback knows what's going on, because he's he demands that Olivia Hussey watch it. So that she can like confront the brutality. He's like, "This is what they do. Yeah, this is what they do is tie gasoline balls to your hands." <laughs> I guess. Ah, <laughs> ah. So you've you've played gassy barely before, have you? <laughs> yeah, it, it did take me most of the game to even understand that that was gas. I, I didn't know. <clears throat> yeah, I kind of thought they were just going to kick the balls until like his arms hurt. Which is which is too bad because I think this idea of the
2: these camps that are used for like sport and torture like there's there's definitely a germ of an idea there and then like one of the games that they do is they take them out of the camps and they do the hunting for people and so they they could have done more of these like weird death games that they play within the camp uh instead the only two things is like the ill-defined gas barrel game uh, that that visually looks stupid and is, is poorly communicated, and then the "Don't Flinch" game, which is also like feels like they couldn't, they had no budget for a prop, and they're like, I don't know, just sh- shove your fists near her. That'll be a game. So like, it feels like there's something there uh, to have that kind of death game within the camp as well as outside the camp, but they just they didn't they didn't have a handle on.
1: it. Yeah, it, it almost feels like there's a. An attempt that also might be a result of the sort of um, short shooting schedule and all the rest of this. But it's like to throw you into this thing where where everything is alien and strange. Like the guards, as soon as we meet him, he's cracking his bullwhip in the air. And then he's going to assault um, both of them, actually, in turn. But it turns out he's castrated. And then the bald guy comes out. And then there's the slapping game. It's like this cavalcade of details that don't seem to mesh in in a way that makes it all seem very strange and i guess maybe the intention is like ought to be to keep you off off balance but it does so so successfully that it's just kind of incomprehensible
0: yeah, yeah i feel like that was just them collapsing character arcs into collapsing character arcs and ideas into lower budget versions or whatever like it it it, it the world building in the first half doesn't work. And that's why, when the movie becomes this leaner, meaner, more primal movie, what you actually came here for this like political, uh, most dangerous game. That's when it starts to click more, I think, Um, because it becomes becomes immediately understandable. If these people get out, they can get out of this bullshit situation. Staying in the camp is almost certain death, and all these people are going to hunt them with these elaborate, eccentric weapons. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, once the movie strips down, it starts to gain power. But you're right, Rick. When, when you first arrive and they're throwing everything in your face, the movie has very little potency. There is something about,
2: even though obviously Steve Rail's back and the rest of the prisoners are at a major disadvantage not having uh, cars or guns or werewolves to help them, <laughs> like, there is something that feels a little bit more fair and that's obviously not the right word because it's not fair, but it feels like, you know, okay, well you got your wits about you. Like it feels, and maybe like, I like that setup from like one of my favorite movies as a kid with Swiss family Robinson. And this idea of like, okay, here's this well-armed pirate ship and this scrappy little family needs to come up with all these booby traps and other ways to like stop the pirates. Um, and I love that movie as a kid. And I mostly for that last half hour, if you've seen that, um, and, and something about, like, these kind of most dangerous game situations obviously harkens back to, yep, they're outnumbered, they're outgunned, all they have is their environment to try to to get it. So for for me, it feels less like you're just watching defenseless people being uh, tortured and more like you're watching a, um, a an underdog actually have a fighting chance to strike back at the people who are torturing
1: them. Yeah,
0: yeah. It, And it also does like there's lots of um, gloopy 70s sci fi bullshit in the first 45 minutes that like is a little entertaining at first. Like the fact that that van there's this van that just drops them off at the camp and it has this like imagine going to play laser tag somewhere. The font that they would use for is <laughs> yeah. that like and the camp is called uh, ReBM, which all I could think about was it just means ReBM. It's like if you, when your dog eats its shit and then eats it again. <laughs> <What>?
1: <laughs> is, that, is that a thing or is that just a thing for you? Is that a thing that you say?
0: Until I saw turkey shoot. It was nothing. It was just a gross thing that I saw dogs do. <laughs> now it's got a name and it's REBM. I
1: assume the the RE was for re-education.
0: It it is. It is. But um we need to re-educate dogs so they don't eat their own shit. <laughs>
1: That's true. It's
0: <That's> fair. <laughs> what a what a potent metaphor for our time. Time to time
1: to bust out the the gas balls. And then they also they also have the yellow
2: <laughs> they also have the yellow jumpsuits, uh, which they clearly got on sale at whatever the Australian version of Walmart is, um, and uh, yeah, and with the yellow, yellow's an interesting choice because in the second half of the movie, a lot of sweat, so <laughs> you wa- yeah. see, see Stephen Rails back in a sweaty yellow jumpsuit, it looks like he's peed himself and is not great. He, he's not offering Yeah, they- the look department, but seeing him look like he's peed his entire body is uh, somehow makes Steve
1: Railsback a little less attractive. No, they also stand out. I was uh, I was really confused as to why nobody yes. took off their jumpsuits. It seems like a thing that you would do because they really stand out.
0: At least half of it, right? Yeah, like and it's I feel hot. like even yeah. your body would blend in better. Totally, Railsback rolled up his sleeves.
2: That's about the same. Yeah, that's true.
0: Um, because it, I just I, so I watched uh, uh a Most Dangerous Game for the first time ever. Uh, to prepare for this month To see you know what other what other, other Of these type of movies are out there And one thing I noticed about that movie Is that he gives uh, the hunted uh, You know Presumably like olive drab Or brown clothing so they blend in better So it's a more fun hunt And the fact that they give them yellow And the fact that surprise This all takes place on an island really speaks to How rigged the game is From the start and not rigged just because They're such good hunters Rigged in the sense that there was no way they were ever getting off this island. So the yellow jumpsuit does kind of speak to that. The idea that's like, well, you are a moving target. Yellow and red are the most obvious colors in the jungle to spot, right? Oh. Uh, how how often have you been in the jungle? <laughs> For my time in the jungle, yes. Um Well, I've listened to Welcome to the Jungle a lot by Guns N' Roses, um, and I feel like I got some first-hand experience just from listening to that a lot and Mm -hmm. um, sitting behind the family fern. Yeah. (laughs) Welcome to the jungle. Don't wear yellow or red. First line.
1: A fern for the whole family. The, the family had to share the fern? The fern for the whole family. Yeah, well, I mean...
0: Mom, had, Peter's hogging the fern. <laughs> Peter, it's a family fern. I specifically blocked out two time blocks with the fern today, Elise. Tony
2: is... Your brother's name is definitely Tony. Uh, <laughs> mom, Tony's grounded from the fern.
0: If you remember? He didn't make his bed. I, and then my mom would have to come in and be like, Tony, I thought we understood you didn't get the fern. He's like, ah, jeez. <laughs> jeez, mom. I'm
2: gonna go ah, eat a pizza pie. <laughs> I
0: just, I guess I'll just go back to eating my pizza pie and not having a fern. Oh, but yeah. So the, I think I have a lot of experience in in the jungle from those two experiences, and I would say yellow is is basically yeah, painting a target on their back. And okay. also, you should update your LinkedIn. Let's talk about this right away. They're showing off all these eccentric guys showing off all their weaponry. The the one of them is a um. A sort of uh, a sadomasochistic, or just a sadist that is is specifically the sexual component of the sadism, is she's really into. And she uh, rides a horse. She's sort of an equestrian hunter. Mm-hmm. Yep. And what is she really into, Peter? Bows and arrows. Yeah. Yeah. So she's. She's frankly, she's really smug. I hate how smug she is about how many bows and arrows she has. Yeah, like, she's terrible. It's like, why why is she not, you know, share the wealth, share the bows and arrows with the, the rest of the common class? Like, Well, she did eventually. <laughs> you only get to have them for a few seconds, though. <laughs> I was irritated that all of her
1: arrows had different properties, but they looked identical. I was frustrated by that. I wanted them to be like, I don't know. Some of them could be have be like thicker arrows or different lengths. The they're feathers all
0: feathers like, or something. They're to... all
1: identical, and then some. But some of them blow up.
2: So do it, you get annoyed? Uh, Batman Returns, the Penguin. None of the umbrellas look different. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure it's a consistent <laughs> Yeah. I'm, just, I'm always <laughs> angry about this. Although Batman Returns does have that great gag at the end where he grabs the wrong one <laughs> because they cannot tell them apart. Yeah, so she's she's lovely, and then one person's weapon is dune buggy plus, I mean werewolf.
0: He's pretty eccentric. He also has a rocket launcher and a fifty caliber machine gun on the back of his truck. So he's he kind of overpacked for the weekend. I feel like. But let's talk about how he introduces his werewolf. Yes, because it's (laughs) quite comparing
2: with yeah he's he's comparing with a, a bow and arrow lady. He's like you still you still using that. And she's like, yeah, oh, well, you gotta get yourself one of these. And then points to a man <laughs> who is a werewolf man. And,
0: and everyone he's just, just like goes. leaning against a yeah, post, like, that, I'm drag.
1: <laughs> he's leaning and, against and the plantation steps yeah. wearing a top hat. <laughs>
2: yeah. And she's like, hmm, I'll consider it. It's like, wait, movie, hold the fuck on. You can't just be like, this is the. F- they're comparing weapons. It's the first comparing weapons scene. No one's even talking about weapons. One person's like, Yeah, got me a bow and arrow. This person's like, Yep, yeah, got me this werewolf, man
1: <laughs> And she's like, Oh, Costco? Like it's <laughs> No, he found him he found him in a circus. He does tell us that he's a freak. She's like, What yeah. is it? And
0: he goes, A freak. <laughs> I found him in a circus. Saying that he found it in a circus also is is almost like He's taking lore away from us because he's like, when you see that person, I was immediately like, oh shit, like this government is experimenting in weird like genetic... Mutant bullshit, like that's cool. That's a cool twist on this. Like, mostly they've just been like, you know, beating and threatening to rape <laughs> people. Like that. That's they're making werewolves. Like, what else are they make? And they got dinosaurs. Like, what? What do you guys got? But instead, he's just like, this is an errant freak. This is. There's just one of him. Don't worry. There's no story here. Look away. Like, yeah. That's it, like it's one of the signs of the movie where they're just like they're like no no no. There's no bigger world here. Just. Keep your eyes focused on the prize. But see he's also to the Chase soon. He's not just a werewolf though, because he does he does eat a toe, but he's also a wrestler. Which is an interesting thing. He's a wrestling werewolf. He's a wrestling werewolf that also has a kind of like Dr. Hyde quality of him because his clothes are falling off and he wears a top hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He very much looks like the classic depiction of Dr. Hyde. He is in the movie because it's like, hey, we got this costume. I don't know.
2: Let, let's just try it out.
0: Like that <laughs> is why he's. This is movie. what. This is why I love exploitation movies. Like it's not for the weird, you know, sexual exploitation stuff. It's not for, you know, just the blood and guts purely. It's for the yeah. insane. What what a uh, a low budget and a strange uh, set of tools will create in terms of storytelling. And the fact that this movie just has a fucking werewolf reveal is uh something that it could never get away with in any with in any movie with any larger budget.
1: Yeah, it's it's the best part of the film. It's my favorite part. Yes. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And it is because they they didn't have time to question things, which sometimes led to super abusive situations and sometimes led to werewolf man.
0: <laughs> and uh so that then the other two guys are but the guy with uh you know guy with a, a tr- truck that in a sniper rifle and then a guy with an assault rifle and a guy with a knife and a gun anyways can we talk about the werewolf more <laughs> yeah. there's a werewolf what's yeah deal? The, there's only two there's only two like you know uh, of the hunters only two of them are actually really interesting there is a third one with a um a sleep dart, tranquilizer gun kind of thing. Um, but that doesn't end up being all that interesting either. Uh, no. It's pretty much just yeah. the, the – it's it's the two weirdos in the group that we're mostly concerned with. Right. Yeah. Let's
2: uh, – I don't know. Let's talk about the Arrow death. So it is – one thing I do kind of find interesting is this idea that they've actually already picked out each person they want to kill. So they kind of go to the camp. They look and they say, I want to kill that person. I want to kill that person. And then these hunts are executions that they've paid for with specific people. So I think that's generally pretty unique in the movies like this I've seen. Um, When it is a group of people, it is just go out and kill people. You know, may the best murderer win. And in this case, it is like, you've paid for this. So that comes up when... um, Bow and Arrow Lady decides to take a kill from main dude, knife dude, um, that's like, hey, you didn't pay for this. And I think that is an interesting idea. Like a lot of things in this movie, it's pretty shallow and they don't explore it all that much. Um, but but that's definitely a unique concept to this genre, but that also leads to bow and arrow lady having the weirdest kill. Yeah, it's horrible. In this movie. Like where she finally kills her prey and she walks up to
0: her with just an arrow out. It feels like the most escapable situation. You have to be completely like unwilling to fight back in order to, to die that way. Or, the, or this woman has to be like an artist with an arrow, which we find out later. She's not. Olivia Hussey blows her fucking head off by just yeah. kind of tossing her against a wall. Yeah. But the the movie is very uh, kind to us in not showing us the details of the death of the blonde woman. Well, it's also pretty interesting because it does that
1: omitted scene. The implication is that she's been violated. Something horrible has happened. And she shows she's naked when they cut back to her. And it's the bow and arrow lady that does it. In each one of the thwarted sexual assaults that happened earlier, they actually get out of it by like, hurting someone's dick. I don't know if you noticed that. Oh, yeah. yeah. The guy gets his dick zipped up. The one guy gets made fun of for being castrated and the secretary in the government gets shot in the dick. Everyone gets shot in the dick, basically. So many
0: Ex- dick dick things. Yeah,
1: so it's a weird kind of dynamic they have going on between these because uh, that, that's the one that gets through. She's the one, she's like the the rapist of the film, the successful rapist. Everyone else who tries gets shot in the dick.
2: So I guess what's funny is that you're right. They did cut from that so quickly that it didn't even register to me that she was naked when they... Like, I remember seeing her with the arrow, but for some reason that didn't, like, register as a change. So I guess I I didn't... Like, she was definitely leering at her with sexual overtones and stuff like that, but I guess I wasn't clear that, like, an implied... Anything besides getting stabbed through the neck oh, with the arrow.
1: I did. Her. She she does has like licks her lips lasciviously and says something gross and then cuts back yeah. and she's naked. I don't know. That's what I assumed.
0: Yeah, for sure. I'm 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 uh, I'm with the Brick there. There's definitely especially the fact that she is undressed, um it's her clothes didn't just like get torn off. I'm not debating. Um, I, I agree yeah, it, really it actually
1: just bad. really struck me because it kept happening where they would imply that this was gonna happen and then have some dick shooting to stave it off. And then this time <laughs> they come back and I was like, Oh, they they did that this time. I see.
0: Yeah. It worked. And I'm really glad they cut away because um, in a lot of the deaths in this movie, they, they are not as uh, dignified or sorry. I, they're not as uh, reserved. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, true. Um, and especially like the other Arrow death, which has an interesting dynamic where they all kind of were assigned targets. But there's one guy that's kind of like almost like a freebie. The camp commander Thatcher, of course, Making fun of Maggie Thatcher and saying that like that her government was a fascist government and this is where it was leading if she, you know, continues to reign, you know, unchallenged, blah blah blah.
1: It was released in uh released in England as Death Camp
0: Thatcher. Oh, That's that's cool. That's cool. That's like they don't they can't even do that in America now with Trump. Like they can do like cartoons and stuff, but like
2: Do you remember when they released that movie Death of a President during Bush's Yeah. I, I know,
0: regime, do regime yeah. reign presidency yeah that that was that was a big thing yeah and then no one actually wanted to watch the movie they were just like <laughs> it was it wasn't that good yeah it was just kind of the reviews were all like hey um, once you get past the hype well, why are we here but the yeah that's that's a pretty ballsy thing to be able to do even people that are you know uh, against the established authority might you know turn their nose up at that so. Pretty in keeping with the exploitation thing. I think that's way ballsier than anything the movie does by just naming the character Thatcher. Um, but anyways, so he uh, he like sort of has like two targets, which is this really tall dude who manages to do something really cool and memorable in this movie before he gets caught, which is he kills one of the uh, the sort of like lackey guards who's sort of just accompanying, you know, the hunters on their hunt. And he sets up a trap. And I was like, oh, did they cut away to a death of one of the guards? Like, I really wanted to see this guard die. I got a little disappointed. And then like, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes later, they come back to him. He's hanging upside down and his body's been booby trapped. And guess where he gets impaled? Right in the dick. So, Rick, you're on to something. (laughs) That scene was also notable. Rick's dick theorem is. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That scene was also notable. That's
1: because because every time a dick gets stabbed, Rick goes, Ow, I got one of those babies. (laughs) (laughs) Those are my words verbatim. That's actually literally what I say. I got one
2: of those. If someone, if someone did that to my dick, it'd be n- b- bad news bears for my sex life.
0: Yeah. Uh, not a fan. I want my penis
1: to die of old age.
2: <laughs> you guys,
1: it's have you been, like, listening yes. to me?
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, Rick, you, you forgot to stop recording last time uh, we did a podcast. So it's, <laughs> it's just, just been a year.
1: <laughs> yeah. I was hoping there was going to be more booby trap corpses. That's all I was going to say. After that scene, I was like, oh, cool. Maybe we're in for some more booby trap corpses, but
0: no. It's only it's because only one of them is smart enough to take the fight back to him. And he is the other person to get arrowed. He um, he's this tall dude who like is all on his own. He, you know, he obviously t- gets an assault rifle, does nothing with it. And there's this long protracted scene <laughs> with shootout between him and two of the hunters in the middle of a and- field. Why is he in a field? Why didn't he go behind a tree
1: or something?
2: Everyone in this movie is terrible at hiding. Like, the hiding in this movie is pretty shameful. Yeah. I'm not saying they deserve to die, but there's that one girl who, too, that, like, hides on the wrong side of a tree when she's acro- <laughs> yeah. when she goes across the river and then, like, just stays up against the tree facing where the arrows are coming from.
1: Like, go on the other side of the tree. Steve Railsback's like, uh, oh, sweet. There's a sheer rock face. I'm gonna climb it and yeah. awkwardly stand there for yeah. five minutes. A lot of bad hiding. Maybe hide and seek is outlawed in this dystopian
2: future, so they never learned.
0: And uh, that is, and that is also feeds into what I was saying earlier. That like it feels like this is no game at all. So turkey shoot is like a multi-use reference to refer to basically an unfair fight. There's a military term uh, turkey shoot, which is basically like when an enemy is pinned in such a way that they have basically no way to properly retreat without massive casualties, whatever. And then it's also obviously used, um, in a more like colloquial pop sense and in the sense like an unwinnable fight. Um, and then by Turkey breeders. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, cause what in, in a Turkey shoot is reading about this and in a, in a, in a Turkey shoot, what happens is you scatter the birds and then turkeys are dumb as shit. So, they return to the spot and so you can kind of pick them off one by one when they're doing that. Hmm, um, fun. So, it's, it's a similar thing with this. They release <laughs> all of them from the camp, you know, they kind of scatter them and then they can kind of, you know, scoop them up as they want.
2: Can we, uh, yeah, and they don't really give them, I was kind of annoyed by the head start because they make a big deal when they're like coming to terms about how the turkey shoot's going to work. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah, right. Three hour head start. And then they like, but they go in like shifts, and I don't know if it's just like bad editing and bad like you uh, communicating time, but it feels like they're like on top of them two minutes later. Like there was no three hour head start that occurred. Yeah,
0: they catch up with orangey glasses like within like it's like they just cut to him being caught caught and having his toes eaten like he does not even get a chance he does not get any head start whatsoever like these guys are not interested in the true most dangerous game scenario where he's like i do want a good match like you sort of yeah. believe him that like if you do make it out of the situation i'll let you go until like the end of the movie like you kind of believe his resolve because he spends so long explaining it in this you're like oh this is a trick from the start there's no way they're letting these people out of here well, then to themselves, when they were talking about it amongst themselves, they call it an execution.
2: But still, like, what else are you going to do? It's a, it's a chance to do what the Rails Baxter did and uh, and and take the fight to them. Uh, can we talk about his big fight with the uh, Indiana Jones guy? Because they have a prota- protracted uh, fist fight on the beach uh, with... Look, I, I don't I don't mean to engage in hyperbole, but I would say the worst improv dialogue I've ever heard. And I have to assume it's improv <laughs> because if it's not and someone wrote that down for three minutes while they circle themselves and I wrote down some of this. It is bad acting for improv, but it, I'm, re- it I'm really is, glad I want to hear I want to hear these lines. I mean, they're not great. But it's like this. They just kept circling each other and they stopped like speaking in their normal voices. So they are just like kids mumbling on a playground. They're like, come on, you piece of shit. No, you're a piece of shit. You piece of shit. Come on, piece of shit. This is bullshit. Come on. Come on. Yeah, you go. Come on, you piece of shit. Like, and they're like whispering it under their breath while they circle for two minutes. It's the fucking like, I was like, did the
0: movie stop? Did the cameraman have a heart attack and no one knew what to do? <laughs> like, why even bother dubbing it in? Like, at that point, just, like, have them circling each other. Like, why, why bother having them say anything? Because it's... Rails- Railsback seems so gleeful to say shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, they're clearly shit? not intimidating each other. Like, Come on, you piece of shit.
2: No, you're a piece of shit. No, come on, you piece of shit. Like, it's like... It is like two, guys, two like kids on a playground who have been surrounded by their peers and don't want to fight. And are just like, well, maybe if we swear at each other long
0: enough, the teacher will come and stop this. That's right. exactly what's happening. Yeah. And the fight uh, does have a, an incredible resolution, which is uh, Steve Railsback eventually starts to lose. Olivia Hussey is hiding in the in the brush and she eventually runs out, surprises the big Australian Nazi guy and chops both of his hands off. And he just is, like, screaming and yelling bloody murder for, like, a minute. And I kind of like how effective it is because it lasts so long. Like, if you had your hands chopped off, you wouldn't be like, well, this is the worst. Like, you would (laughs) would just be yelling, like, baffled. You're like, do I kick you? Like, what do I do now? Yeah, and he is kind of flailing around. Apparently, when they were shooting the scene, because – cheapo movie made in australia and i can touch on uh, olivia hussey real quickly here um it's a cheapo movie made in australia they gave her a real machete and apparently she did almost chop the guy's hands because the her the thing was she was supposed to bring the blade down and the director would call cut and she would stop moving right um she got confused and nervous and thought he meant cut the hands or something and she just kept bringing the blade down and the actor pulled his hands out of the way she almost – so somebody's hands almost get chopped off for real in this movie.
2: Yeah, I read that. And I mean,
0: in that case, he would have been
2: the most dangerous game.
0: <laughs> so this is – let's talk about Olivia Hussey real quick. She was also in Black Christmas, plays a similar role but with more nuance and variance. Like she's a real character in Black Christmas, like someone you can really get behind. Um, in this, she's just nervous from the first frame and apparently she hated shooting in Australia and like hated the wildlife and was just terrified of getting eaten or bit by you know snakes and shit um which is fair she there's like a there's like a fear of Australia that I'm glad that it's not just an American fear like Europeans also are like um yeah like I can't well, it, they're the ones that put all the prisoners. <laughs> there is yeah. that. But yeah, it's an it's a interesting thing because the whole movie, she's just nervous and freaking out. And it kind of works for the movie. But it does mean that, like, you have a hard time emotionally connecting with her because there is no ebb and flow. Like, there's no moments of calm where you kind of get to, like, mm-hmm. see who she was beforehand. She's just like a frightened rabbit the entire time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, well, she's also playing against Steve Railsback, who is...
2: You know we've we've ripped on him a lot, and um, it's because it's because he's he's bad. He's not good.
0: <laughs> he is he is such a fucking dead weight in this movie, and I say that as a movie that has literally him dead weighting, like holding up dead weight. Like that was our thing with
2: Life Force. Is that I know it's been a long time since we spoke about it, but it's like it's why we jokingly called him. Um, not jokingly, but we called him like Discount Tom Atkins because like Tom Atkins was it was always funny to us how he's in all these movies as like this hot romantic lead, um, because he's you know he's kind of a he's not what you would typically associate with a with a with a guy the ladies are throwing themselves at. But Tom Atkins is a really good actor. This Life Force and
0: this like position him as like some super
2: sexy dude. And he's also just a really bad actor.
0: Yeah. In Life Force, he was watered down until until the third act. He's basically watered down by being a... He doesn't have to yell as much. Yes. Well, he's an, he's an ensemble actor in Life Force. In Life Force, yeah. Other characters take over the protagonist lead as you go and stuff. In this movie, with every character that dies, more and more Steve rails back becomes important. Well, he's also supposed to be like a charismatic leader of the revolution. Yeah. It'd yeah. He'd be like a total goon having a podcast. <laughs> it's Game's 30s. over, repeat. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, who's the Steve Railsback of this podcast? But yeah, Rick, what do you make of this guy? Have
1: you seen Life Force? Because that's probably the other thing you would have seen. Yeah, I have seen Life Force. And that is the only other Steve Railsback movie uh, I have seen as far as I know. Um, but Good yeah. for you. Everyone else, all the other people are more interesting than Steve Railsback, which is a really negative quality to have as a protagonist. Yeah. Because every time <laughs> he comes on the screen, it's just like, oh, man, I wonder what literally anybody else is doing. Like yeah, the please, God. The guy who uh, is there just to be executed, I don't even know anything about him, but I would like to hang out with him more. Both the women, they're kind of blank, actually, but, you know, they have something going on. The weird twitchy dude um, is weird and twitchy and kind of aggravating, but at least he's got, like, some personality. Railsback is, like, this black hole at the center of the film. Uh, so, yeah. 100%. I, exactly what you were saying, Pete. As it goes on, like, people get knocked off. It's like, oh, God. We got we got nothing left but Steve. It's a problem.
0: And that's why it's nice that the movie is an action movie until like the final frame, basically, because if we needed to have some sort of denouement where Steve rails back and Olivia Hussey try and like, you know, talk about uh, like we're gonna create a new world out there. Like, if we had to sit through something like that, like I probably wouldn't like this movie. But I like this movie because it is a thorough action movie until the end, right? And it has a pretty wild finale. Yeah, there's a, you know there's some clever touches in there too. Like, I like that they're
2: on an island. I think that's a fun reveal because it does all of a sudden make you feel a little more trapped. Uh, there's there's I like like the log trap you know there is a lot of fun stuff when you just get like an island in australia to run around on and make like makeshift traps and a lot of it's very clever like we haven't really talked about the director of this movie yet but he's kind of the patron saint of uh exploitation movies yeah brian trenchard smith Yep. And while I haven't seen a lot of his movies, some of them are kind of hard to watch. I, I definitely had added a lot to my list after watching uh, the documentary on the exploitation Movies, Not Quite Hollywood. Uh, I did watch, and uh, we kind of talked about it a little on the podcast, Dead End Drive In um, last October. And I fucking love that movie. That movie is. Yeah, it's great. It's great. It's, it's so good. And it's not like a horror movie, but it. I guess it, it kind of sometimes is considered a horror movie, but it feels more like an Australian version of, like, Repo Man, but like a more contained apocalypse or something. I, it's a very hard movie to nail down. But that also does, like, a weird apocalypse thing where everyone's trapped in, like, one location as well. Mm-hmm. But it just does it, i don't know, like, so much better than this movie. And this is a movie, again, its this movie's fine. There's stuff to like. But he he really nailed
0: this con the same kind of concept a couple years later.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs>
0: this director had this director has done a couple weird movies that are notable among cult cult fans, which you're lucky, I think, if you made even one movie that people are still talking about this many years later, right? And he's made a few. This
2: is that thing. I do love that subgenre. What I don't even know what it's called. But whatever subgenre it is, like Of, like, we're going to show all these Roger Corman uh, bits of movies and Not Quite Hollywood and the canon documentary and just watch the one on Larry Cohen. Like, Whatever that thing is where they show all these, like, cult masters and then show all these scenes for the, for the movie or even, like, the the big ones they did on uh, the Friday the 13th series or Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, I love – I can watch those over and over and it's because – and, I, like – so, Turkey Shoot was one of the standouts from watching that documentary because they're showing a lot of the interesting parts and you're putting all the pieces together in your head and you're like – Oh, I bet this is going to be amazing. And like a lot of like exploitation and cult movies, you know, they're, they're showing those parts in the documentary because you're watching some of the more interesting parts. And a lot of them don't have the budgets or the talent behind the camera to kind of maintain that throughout. But um, yeah, Brian Trenchard Smith, like he was all over the
1: not quite Hollywood one. Yeah. Uh, because he just – he made so many of these movies that people – people love have you guys seen uh his um bmx bandits from the following year i want to tra- no. i have i want to track that down it's actually uh it's dodge the- with nicole kidman dodge right? the twitchy guy from this movie is the bike riding protagonist with nicole kidman apparently yeah what yeah
2: i don't know what and he that's also all did about, leprechaun three it. and four <laughs> yes you did but uh someone in our group was like look that's worth it for leprechaun four which is amazing which I've never seen, but so what was the other ones that uh, uh, Stunt Rock got a lot of play, and then um, oh, the Man from Hong Kong.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen much of his of his filmography, but like, it is funny that he's made a handful of these movies that people still remember all these years later. And like I said, anybody that does that is very lucky. I'm really into how he constructs the end of this movie. Yeah. And I wish that more movies of this ilk were like, hey, uh, do you remember the set that we built earlier? We're just going to blow it up now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and the, the take is so long that you know that they're actually blowing it up. Like, um, even my favorite movie is The Thing. Even in that, you can get a sense where you're like, well, they kind of moved to a different part of the base, and then you see some fire around them. Like, maybe they didn't blow the whole base up. In this, you're like, you watch a static shot of carpet bombing of a base. <laughs> like, yeah. all of a sudden, the movie found its budget.
1: Yeah, no, there's, there's a definitely a sense in that whole last section where uh... – there's, like, a sense of glee. Like, they seem to be having a really good time blowing shit up. There's no no two ways about it.
0: And, and I think that... that Reminds does me of that house in Slugs. Yes. Well, technically, we can blow this up. And then in Slugs, they show the explosion, like, six times. <laughs> they're like, we paid for this once, but you're not going to see it once. So, basically, what happens is our, our last survivors, Olivia Hussey and uh, Steve Rails, back. Uh, they make it back to camp. They blow over a gate. The camp looks extraordinarily flimsy when they're blowing it up. Um, and they break open a wall to the prison camp and free everyone and get them guns. And then there's just this big battle scene where everybody's shooting at each other. And Olivia Hussey goes to basically just blow up a communications room and she runs into the uh, air, the equestrian hunter. Um, the equestrian hunter... Is uh tries to you know do the the arrow trick on her. She's like try, approaches her, and you're like, oh, I guess she's done. It worked on the other lady, and Olivia Hussy just kind of panics, throws her up against the wall. The arrow goes into the woman's head, and it fucking blows up her head. And I love how much the movie reserves gore for the hunters. Like that's really what we want to see, right? Right. Yeah. Hunter, you're right, yeah. taking it to him. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. There isn't that much. I mean, this is not.
2: That gory of a movie. It's really not. Um, it has its scenes, but like any random uh, Friday the 13th or, or uh, Halloween movie
0: from the 80s is gorier than this. Uh, there is a really great gore shot in the camp where uh, there's a big battle. And you're like, well, how's the big big main bad guy going to get taken out? Like, is he going to get blown up by the firebombs? Like, what's going to happen? And then uh, just... You know, just as, as coldly as one of the hunters would cut down one of the the prisoners. Steve Railsback gets on like a 50 caliber machine gun and just cuts the the head of the prison camp, Thatcher, in half. And his like body blows up and all these like it's basically like a suit filled with fireworks. <laughs> and it's so rad. And it's so cool because it's like you expect this long drawn out fight or something. But no, he was this like bureaucratic dude who just like hunted people coldly from a distance and like just kind of went went about his his uh, torturous evil fascist prospects but so just watching him get like just torn apart by machine gun fire is totally appropriate mm-hmm. I, I think it's also
2: i'm um, fun fact i'll put all my money on right now my guess is that uh it's so rad is also used in his next movie bmx bandits it's so it's rad. Mostly used to, yeah.
0: You get to see all the the facilities get blown up like piece by piece. It's really rad, but most movies don't do that because
2: they have I don't know like sense. Like you don't blow up your set until you see the dailies and have everything processed and like you know reshoots and all that stuff because that's like how movies work. Uh, and they but they don't work in like these cheapo and budgets, which is why you know I appreciate the reckless nature of this. Also because, like, film needs to get developed. I don't know if they were doing... Like, these cheapo things didn't always get to
1: see dailies.
2: Oh, How yeah. do they even know what they have? It was a 28-day
1: 20, like, shoot, yeah.
2: I appreciate the, um, the kind of balls it takes to go, all right, well, I think we got it. Yeah. Worst case scenario, more werewolf scenes, I guess. Yeah. <laughs>
1: 28 day shoot and 21 of those days was just uh steve Railsback back and the guy circling each other insulting you piece of shit <laughs> stupid
0: piece of shit yeah you, three you... weeks of that they only had a week left to shoot the rest of the movie god and uh we did skip in terms of gore we did skip uh one death the most important death jesus he <laughs> died and was resurrected aaron so what did you make of the death of our lord and savior jesus christ
2: uh well, in general, I'm against capital punishment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he should have just been put in jail for the rest of his life, not been uh not been executed. Uh, and uh, based on my understanding of the scripture, uh, there'd be no salvation for anyone. But you know, my um my ethics remain pure regarding capital punishment.
0: That's really brave of you, Aaron. Yeah. Aaron to uh, I I don't think Jesus likes a hypocrite, Peter. That's true. That's true. And you're all about impressing Jesus these days. Um, so, Aaron, Peter, w- the <laughs> death of the werewolf, was it as tragic for you as it was for me? I've seen a lot of movies with werewolves. A lot of times in those movies. Rick, get a load the of werewolves- this guy bragging about his werewolf. I know. Abdomen. Again. The-
2: I mean, in a lot of those movies, <laughs> the werewolves die. Yes. I've never cried over one.
1: This changed that. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Alf. His name was his I mean, it's also because, elf. you know, his name <laughs> was
2: Alf. Unrelated. Well, his actual name is uh, Gordon Shumway. Yeah, uh, Alf's real name is uh, Gordon Shumway. <laughs> Thank you for honoring the the great artist. That Alf is us. Alf is alien life form. It's what they called him as a nickname. His real name back on Melmac was Gordon Shumway.
1: okay (laughs) okay, calm down jeez do
2: you want to go to the the, 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 the wikipedia the wiki on elf
0: so the the, the the last thing i want to do is that (laughs) i'm gonna i'll go toe-to-toe with you on elf trivia any day of the week go Uh, toe-to-toe with yourself you've got 10 toes Come on, you piece of shit! <laughs> yeah, you poop, you sh- you shit, you poop. Come uh, my piece of poop. shit, say some uh, mouth trivia. No, I can so piece so, of so poop? The, the piss face. <laughs> so our bad guy uh, that has uh, you know the daddy of the werewolf, the werewolf daddy. He um, he's driving around like a not a forklift. Like a, uh, it's got like a shovel attachment. What do you call those things? Like a snow plow? Yeah. Snow in launcher. Australia. A dozer. Yeah, he's got a he's got a dozer oh, and. A, he's a, a dozer. <laughs> and he's gonna he's gonna run he's gonna run Steve Rails big right over and uh, <laughs> right off right off the rails right what? off the rails more yeah. of that please. <laughs> right we're gonna run you right off the rails so it's, uh, the uh, the uh, werewolf chap he's holding, <laughs> holding Steve railsback right up to the tree there mate wouldn't you fucking know it Steve railsback gets out and then they uh, he cuts the cuts the old, uh, werewolf uh, right in half it's 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 a shame <laughs> it's a sad thing for all of us and for Hollywood that the werewolf had to exit the movie because he's my favorite character yeah uh, I was hoping
2: no, I I'd process this a little differently because I'm actually from New Zealand.
0: How'd you process it differently. <laughs> 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 um but yeah that is a gory death and apparently they like filled the under part you know like the the waist down they filled the under part with like everyone's leftover lunch and ketchup and stuff to get the gore effect which shows you what kind of production this is yeah, it's gross um, dude, a gross just, one like the pant- a lot of leftover at the <laughs> yeah. craft service table a wasteful and one the, the pants just drop and then just a bunch of shit comes like a bunch of, well i guess i have to be specific it's not actually feces a bunch of uh ketchup and shit comes out of it it's kind of like a cool little gore effect because he just kind of like breaks like a balloon <laughs> yeah um but yeah so what what other final moments we got here guys before we we had to the end I, i'm not gonna lie i feel like uh finding moments in this movie to talk about for this
2: long is a little difficult it's only 90 minutes yeah um, I'm not really, there's a, there's a lot of blah stuff, especially in the first half. So we're like really picking out favorite moments
1: from 45 minutes. And I think we, I, I think we hit all of mine. Yeah. Same here. The werewolf is great. That's all. If I'm going to remember anything from this movie, it's the werewolf wearing a top hat.
0: That's, that's it. Yeah. It, I mean, he's, he, he's a gentleman. What else <laughs> would you want to remember? So yeah. So, uh, any final thoughts on Turkey Shoot. Um, You know, we haven't really done one of these movies in a while. Um, Christmas Evil was probably the last one. Christmas Evil. Did we even... Or Sorry, not Christmas Evil. Uh, Christmas Evil is great. Uh, New Year's Evil. Yeah. How could I make that mistake? Uh, I'm like, I don't think I've seen that movie. Is it another movie you did with Marcus? Uh, (laughs) No, you've seen New Year's (laughs) Evil. And if you don't remember, it's uh, even more indicative.
2: But it's been a while since I feel like we've done like like a canon type movie. And this... This doesn't rise to the level of what you want from a lot of these kind of cheapy exploitation movies. It it definitely has a lot of fun moments. I I was very glad I got a chance to see it. I was really excited about seeing it after, because I I only watched the documentary uh, a couple months ago. So I was, you know, much like with the canon documentary, I was like anxiously uh, adding to my list. And one of the first things I watched after the canon documentary, um, based on the scenes, uh, and that was a Steve Railsbeck movie, Life Force, which I way before we had this podcast was texting Pete and being like, holy shit, you need to see this movie. Uh, and I love to death. And I was, you know, kind of hoping, especially loving Dead End Drive-In, that this would kind of live up to that. Uh, and, you know, unfortunately, it just it didn't. There's there's some goofy stuff, but uh, it just feels like they didn't have a, you know. Toby Hooper has had too many ideas, and that's what makes Life Force uh, so special. And it feels like there was half an idea for this movie, and the the half of the idea that was there it was executed really well, and the rest was kind of missing. So, um, you know. Kind of a, it's on Amazon Prime. If you have 90 minutes and kind of want to check it out, it's worth it. Uh, I am excited that our, our next few movies are all ones that I've seen and I love to death and I think are amazing movies. So, uh, it was, it was nice to kind of have a fun goof them around, uh, movie to start the month out with as well. And especially, Rick I know we're not getting to goodbyes yet, but I was it's always great to have you back. you feel like a part of the family. Oh. Uh, so this was this was a per, this is a perfect uh, movie for that where we we got to have a little more fun because the movie isn't necessarily deserving of uh, a lot of deconstruction or seriousness
1: because it is just a fun okay exploitation movie.
0: Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself, Aaron. Thank you so much for coming on, Rick.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, fun talking to you guys. We've got to do it again in a year.
0: <laughs> hey, you were the only person that came
2: on two times in a row. In and a month. In our yeah, brains, that's true. We were, we, and our guess in our brains, we were like, oh, yeah, so he's we can give a little break that one. We want. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, your sixth appearance will not be a year and a half uh, from from now. Uh, what, what else do you uh, – I know you kind of mentioned some stuff at the beginning, but uh, what what do you want to plug? Um,
0: yeah, I don't think you mentioned the website by name. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah the website is Um Just took a little bit – a couple weeks off recently, but getting back going on that, there's stuff there. There's stuff from my pal Liz. And uh, we will have a bunch more stuff going up. Um, that's mainly my main – my main thing right now, and uh, yeah, maybe a pod's not dead sometime in the future.
2: But after uh, after I wrap up this move here, and I f- probably things will be a little settled, uh, we should definitely record a couple because I, I love
1: those shows, and people seem to really like them. Yeah, so yeah. I, jump I, I hear about it too. We should do it sometime.
0: Yep. Um, I personally love, uh, Luddite Robot. I read it every time that Rick puts up, Rick or Liz puts up a post. Um, it's a super fun website, no matter what your interests are, because, uh, Rick and Liz are both really fun writers who know how to talk to you about topics that you might not give a shit about and make you give a shit about them. So I can't, I can't recommend Luddite Robot enough and, uh, yeah, can't wait to get more uh, Pod's not dead under our belt because we are so shitty about staying regular on Pod's <laughs> not dead. So shitty. Rick's awesome.
2: a good follow on Letterbox. I always like seeing uh, his reviews or his star ratings um, because I feel like R- Rick is someone who Light Robot is such a perfect mix because at least for me, because like I feel like Liz and I align 25% of the time. Rick and I align 75% of the time. Uh, but I always like their perspective on any movie, even ones that we disagree on, is always very interesting to me. So Rick's one of those people where I see a big disparity between a movie that I liked and he disliked or vice versa. I'm always like, oh, well, what did he think of it? Because um, – you know, when, when, your, when your taste aligns that much of the time, but, like, one out of every four, there's a miss. I always like to see it from a different perspective. And thankfully, Rick is such a well-written person that I'm going to find out exactly what he thinks. What his <laughs> Thanks, uh, man. In a very articulate way. So, And Peter and I align 95% of the time. So, it's like, we know what we think. <laughs> uh,
0: we listen to uh, each other talk enough. Uh, no,
2: uh, I also love you, Peter. Aww. I'm sorry. If, sorry if my game hurt your feelings. It was the funniest thing I could
0: think of. No, I love uh, you guys. And it, like, like uh, Aaron said, it feels like a family is back in the house. So, Aaron,
2: yeah. So next? next week we are doing a battle royale with Bridget Taylor, uh, and then uh, the next week we're not. I mean, we're actually not entirely sure, but we're either doing hard target with uh, Marcus Joan or targets with the Koski brothers. Uh, so all I've seen all three of those movies. I think um, that's a great all, that's a great set of movies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're like Hard Target is definitely goofy, but it is. I think it's like a masterpiece of over the top action movies. Targets is just fucking fantastic, as is Battle Royale. So, uh, yeah. So that's yeah. That's that's I guess the end. Uh, I you know after seeing this movie, I'm so used to being like chased off after something is over to go hide in the woods to kill. To maim, to meet a werewolf man. Gonna top that?
1: P- to eat a toad. And now we can say this turkey is shot. Good night.
0: Hey, folks. Thanks for listening to We Love to Watch. Thank you so much for listening to our show. And we've got just a few quick announcements for you. There ain't nothing in the rulebook that says that we can't do some of our own plugs, baby. If you'd like to talk to us, uh, tell us we're stupid. Tell us we're beautiful. The quickest way to get to us is our Facebook group, facebook.com slash we love to watch. Or our website, WLTWpodcast.com. Leave us a comment. Tell us we're doing a good job. Only tell us we're doing a good job. We're so sensitive. We're sensitive boys. We're soft boys. And uh,
2: if you'd like to help other people, if you enjoy our show and want other people to be able to listen to this fine, fine program that we produce at no cost, We don't get any money for this. You guys have yet to pay us anything. We live and we breathe off of good reviews from iTunes. So if you would please go to iTunes, review our show, give us a positive rating. We would
0: love to get more and more people involved in this show and this community. I know you hear it all the time, but it really does help. And we're also available, if you don't use iTunes, we're also available on Google Music, Stitcher, tune in we're currently on soundcloud we'll take that out if soundcloud goes away <laughs> that's
2: it thanks for listening stay tuned guys on our facebook page especially we're gonna have a lot more polls a lot more prizes and a lot more uh, interaction with you guys so keep it tuned in uh let us know what you guys are thinking and again above all else thanks for listening to we love to watch